0: Our topic today is the return of the prophet Elijah, a man who lived 3,000 years ago. Firstly, I want to tell you a little story. And this story illustrates the truth that prejudice always leads to collapse. When you look at this subject today, when you look at the evidence, you will need to know that prejudice can close your mind and can close my mind. And the best thing we can do with our prejudice is to get rid of it and give it to God. Because prejudice always leads to collapse. I understand that some time ago the present Pope was having a meeting with some young people in Europe. And he told them a number of stories. And he said, I want you to think about these stories and get the message from these stories. I'm going to tell you one of the Pope's own stories. He told the story of a mother superior in a very, very large Roman Catholic institution. And at the end of the year, she called in all of the girls who had been trained in the great fundamentals of that great church. And she said to one young woman, and what would you like to be? She said, Mother Superior, I want to be a missionary for Mother Church. I want to go to the ends of the earth and uphold the great teachings of the great Roman Church. Bless you, my daughter. And what about you, my dear? I want to be a doctor. I want to help people who are suffering. Bless you, my daughter. And what about you? She said, I want to be a teacher. I want to teach the little lambs of the flock. And then there was a very pretty girl in line, and the mother superior said, And you, my dear, what do you want to be? She said, Mother superior, I want to be a prostitute. She said, What? And with that, the Mother Superior fainted and collapsed. And they revived her, and when she came to, she said, Bring me the girl again. She said, After everything I've taught you, we've taught you all the great teachings of the church and the teachings of the Bible. I want to ask you again. What is it that you want to be? She said, Mother Superior, I want to be a prostitute. And the Mother Superior said, Oh, thank God, for a moment I thought you'd said Protestant. (laughs) Now listen. Prejudice always leads to collapse. And if you are prejudiced, And if you are not prepared to look at the evidence, then you are going to collapse. And one of the reasons people find it very, very hard, my beloved friends, to make decisions about issues is because they are filled with prejudice. And as people have said to me, only in recent times, yes, we know it is right, but we feel so-and-so. Prejudice, my friend, is dangerous because it always leads to collapse. Now today we're going to talk about the return of the prophet Elijah in our own day. And we're going to talk about some great truths. And by the grace of God, every person sitting here today and uh, my dear friends watching on television will have to lay aside their prejudice To discover the truth. Would you please take your Bible and turn to Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. Malachi the fourth chapter, the last book in the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4 and I would be very pleased if all of you would turn to the texts. Jesus said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you will grow in grace in direct proportion to your interest in and study of the Bible, the word of God. Malachi 4 verse 1, surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evil doer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. So this is talking about the last day Or the day of judgment. And then you come to verse 5. God says to the prophet. See I will send you. The prophet Elijah. Before the great. And dreadful day. Of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers. To the children. And the hearts of the children. To the fathers. Or else I will come. And strike the land. With a curse. Now. It is plain as the nose on your face that when the Bible talks about the great and dreadful day of the Lord, it is referring to the day of judgment. That is the day when the earth is consumed by fire. And the Bible says that before that fearful day comes, God is going to send to this earth the prophet Elijah, a man who lived 3,000 years ago. Who, I wonder, was this man Elijah he was one of the most colorful one of the most controversial one of the most outspoken one of the most honest men in the history of the world he was a man through whom God worked in supernatural force on one occasion he raised the dead to life there was a widow who lost her son and she said what have you done to me man of God and he went up to the rooftop and he took the boy and laid himself upon the boy and the breath of God came back into him. He raised the dead to life. He shut the windows of heaven for three and a half years. He said to the, to the evil king Ahab, there will be no rain or dew for three and a half years except at my word. He was not a man to mess with my friend. On one occasion On Mount Carmel, he brought down fire from heaven to the earth in the sight of men. He was a man who commanded that the priests of Baal be put to the sword. And so it was done. He was a man that the evildoers feared immensely. On one occasion, the evil king said, send out a company of 50 soldiers and bring back this man Elijah. And Elijah was out in the desert and he was sitting up on a hill. And the captain said, come down thou man of God and come and see the king. He said, if I am the man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you. And fire came down and burned up the 50 men. Don't mess, my friend, with a prophet of God. (laughs) Then on the same occasion, the king said, send out another 50, and another 50 men (laughs) <laughs> it couldn't have been too wise I think I would have been AWL but those 50 men went and the captain climbed up the hill and he said where are you Elijah he said I'm up here meditating he said come down thou man of God oh he said if I'm a man of God let fire come down from heaven and consume you and the fire fell and burned up the 50 soldiers and the king sent out another 50 And this time the captain said, have mercy upon me, thou man of God, and come down. I know that you can call fire from heaven, but have mercy on me. And so the Spirit of God said, go down with him because I'll take care of you. He was a mighty man of God. He is called in history the fiery prophet. He never died. The Bible tells us that God sent down from heaven, swing low, sweet chariot, and let me ride. Rock me, Lord, rock me, Lord. And Elijah was rocked home to glory in a fiery chariot led by fiery horses. He was God's man. He dressed in a hair garment, which I would think would be uncomfortable. But that goes with being a prophet. The work of a prophet is not always a comfortable work. He dressed in a hair garment and he had around his waist a leather belt. He was God's man doing God's work by the power of God's spirit for the redemption of God's people. I say today, make me a man of God. Don't you want to be a man of God? Don't you want to be a woman of God? Don't you want to be God's person doing God's work in God's way? Filled with God's spirit for the salvation of God's people. Can you say amen? Amen Amen to that. And this Elijah, my friend, was God's man. And the Bible says that man is coming back to this earth. And today it is the purpose of my meeting to tell you that Elijah has come to this earth and they knew him not. Now please turn to a number of texts in the New Testament that help you to understand this prophecy. Come to Mark chapter 9. Matthew Mark chapter 9. Everybody dear hearts and gentle people turn to the passage in Mark chapter 9. And we're going to read here verse 11 down to 13. Please turn in the Bible to Mark chapter 9 and verse 11 and here we go. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Now please just pause for a moment. It says... Elijah is going to come before the end of the world and he's going to restore all things. That's important. Then the text goes on. Jesus says, why then is it written about the son of man that the son of man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they've done to him everything they wished just as it is written about him. Now this is a very significant passage because the scribes said because they could read. The Pharisees could read, the Sadducees could read and they said now the Bible says that Elijah is going to come. Jesus said it's true. He is going to come and that is future tense. And so Jesus said yes he's going to come before the end of the world but then Jesus said he's already come. And they have done unto him everything they wanted to do. So Jesus said he's going to come but Jesus said he's, he has already come. Now coming out of Matthew 17 verses 10 to 13. Matthew 17 verses 10 to 13 in the New Testament, the first of the Gospels. Verse 10, the disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him. But have done to him everything they wished. In the same way the son of man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about. John the Baptist. So Jesus said. John the Baptist was the fulfillment of the return of Elijah the prophet. Return of that. Uh, fulfillment of that prophecy. But Jesus did say. Yes Elijah is going to come. That's future tense. He's going to come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. But then he said, but he's already come. And people did not recognize him or respect him or listen to his word. And the disciples understood that he was speaking of John the Baptist. Now please come to an apparent contradiction. Come over here to John chapter 1 verse 19 and onwards. John chapter 1 and verse 19 and onwards. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John chapter 1. Verse 19 and onwards in the Holy Word of God. And I want you to turn to the passage. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. So there you have one of these apparent contradictions in the Bible. The prophet said, Elijah is going to come. Jesus said, yes, Elijah is going to come in the future. But then Jesus said, yes, he's already come. So the prophecy has got a dual application. And then later on, Jesus told them that the prophecy had been already fulfilled, at least partially, in the work and the ministry of John the Baptist. And on one occasion, the Pharisees and the critics went out to meet John the Baptist, And they said, who are you? Are you the Messiah? John said, no, I'm not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not. So the question is, who is right, Jesus or John the Baptist? I would suggest that both are right. Come now to Luke chapter 1, verse 13 to 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 1 and verse 13 and onwards. And it's good to hear the pages of the Bible being turned. Luke chapter 1, verse 13 and onwards. And here is a description that describes the birth of John the Baptist. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and men, many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Say it with me. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Was he the reincarnation of John the Baptist, of Elijah no, no, no. Now does the Bible talk about reincarnation? Not a word, but it does tell us about what happens when a person dies and even though reincarnation has become tremendously popular today, every person watching this telecast ought to know that reincarnation is a heathen pagan myth that is tied up with the occult and it has no part in the Bible. If you're going to believe the Bible, you can't believe in reincarnation. The Bible teaches that when a person dies, he sleeps in the grave. And there are two ways you can get to heaven. You can get to heaven through the resurrection or you can get to heaven through translation. And the Bible tells us that in the last days when Jesus comes back that the dead in Christ are going to be resurrected and that's when they're going to see Jesus. But the Bible says that there are going to be some people living on the earth on that occasion who will not die. I hope I'm one of them. Can you say amen? Amen. Now now can you say amen for yourself? (laughs) Don't you want to be translated and go to heaven my friend? First class without dying. Because that's the way Elijah went to heaven. God sent down that old fiery chariot with those fiery horses. And he went home to glory. He didn't go home coach. (laughs) He didn't go home Javier business. He went home first class and he didn't need a sleeper because he wouldn't be sleeping anymore. So the Bible tells us that this great man, John the Baptist, Fulfill the prophecy because he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He did the work of Elijah. He was filled with the spirit of the living God. And the Bible says his mission was to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Say the last phrase. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Say it again. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That, my friend, was the work and the ministry of Elijah. Therefore, I tell you, the return of Elijah is not the return of Elijah as a person, but the return of his message and his mission Filled with the power of the Spirit of the living God to be done in the awesome spirit of that mighty prophet of God. And his work, my friend, was to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, Malachi chapter 4, like many of the prophecies of the Bible, has a dual application. That means it's, got, it's a double whammy, it's got two applications. Like Matthew 24 and the prophecy of Joel and lots and lots of other prophecies. And so the Bible says, I'm going to send you Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's our day. We're living in the last days, don't you think? Don't you believe it? Therefore, if we're living in the last days, Elijah ought to be here today. And I'm here to tell you that Elijah is here today in this church. And I'll explain that as we get along. But Elijah is back here today and he's here in this church. And Elijah is here in the world today preparing people for the coming of Christ. But that prophecy of Malachi chapter 4 was also fulfilled in the dynamic ministry of John the Baptist. And Jesus said of John the Baptist among those born of women... There has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. And Jesus said of John the Baptist, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. Did you go out to see a man in fine clothing? He said, No. You went out to see the man of God. Amen. John the Baptist was the greatest. Jesus said, He was a bright And a shining light. And that light burned and burned and burned and prepared the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Elijah is going to come again, my friend. And he's going to do the same work as John the Baptist. And he, like John the Baptist, is going to be a voice crying in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Isn't this a great subject? Doesn't this make you excited? This is one of the great subjects of the Bible. Now today, if you want to understand the prophecy, you need to understand the message and the work of Elijah. Therefore, it is necessary for us to study the history of those far off times. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the Old Testament, to the passages on Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 16 We can't read it all. Tremendously interesting. But we're going to pick the most important material. 1 Kings chapter 16 verse 29 and onwards. And it describes conditions as they existed in the days of Elijah. Please everybody turn to the passage. And those watching on television get your Bible. Turn to the passages. 1 Kings chapter 16 verse 29. In the 38th year of Aser king of Judah. Ahab son of Omri became king of Israel and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab son of Omri did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel daughter of Ethbaal king of the Zidonians and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. I have also made an Asherah pole and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. I tell you my friend, he must have been a bad egg. The kings before were bad but the Bible said that he eclipsed them in evil. And the Bible catalogs his crimes and one of the chief crimes was to marry Jezebel, a witch. Because she was an active worshipper of Baal, the god of fertility. Now the Asherah, Paul, is also, it's a phallic symbol, and it's also, of course, a symbol of fertility. So she brought phallic symbols, symbols of fertility, and the worship of Baal, not into the courts of the Babylonians, but into the house of God. Because when it talks about Israel, It's talking about the people of God. This is what it's talking about. This is not talking about the Babylonians. It's not talking about the Egyptians. It's not talking about the Philistines. It is talking about the people of God. And Ahab was the leader of the people of God. On that occasion, with all respects to my beloved and dear friend, whom I love and appreciate and respect, Robert Falkenberg. Ahab in those days was the general conference president. Hmm? So his position made his sin exceedingly grievous. And so he brought the temple of the witch Jezebel right into the very kingdom of God but they did not count upon one person standing up and opposing him. You know who was going to oppose him? Elijah the Tishbite, the man with the garment made out of hair and the belt around his waist, who would walk into the king's palace and I ball him and say, "Thou art the man." I want to tell you, my friend. Whenever there's been a crisis in history, God has had his man. God has had his woman. Evil may flood over the world, the world may be deluged in apostasy and lying and every other sort of gunk and junk and iniquity, but God has never wanted his man. And so here is Ahab sitting in his palace, and he's married to a witch. And he's the president of the general conference. And so get this sermon in its context, just don't pick that bit out and play it around the country, or else you'll have me and Brother Fockenberg sort of having a quarrel. But I want to say, I'm just using that as an illustration. This man was the leader of the people of God. Okay? Boy, that's going to give the gossip something to talk about, isn't it? Boy. You know what gossips love doing? Gossips love taking stuff out of context. And they take stuff out of context. And a gossip is basically, pardon my saying this, an evil person. A gossip is evil because a gossip is a liar. And the Bible says there'll be all sorts of people in heaven, but there won't be any liars. You see? It's very hard for a liar to be saved because a liar after a while believes his lies. And when he believes his lies, he doesn't confess them to God. And if he doesn't confess them to God, he can't be saved. You see? And so here was Ahab, and here was Mrs. Ahab, and here was Baal. Now who is this Baal? He was the pagan god of the forces of nature. He was the god of storms, because the storms brought the rain. He was the god of fertility, the god of life. And did you know that we know now that he was a counterfeit to Christ? Did you know that in ancient uh, mythology, that Baal was put to death... Baal died and was put down in the tomb, but he was resurrected. And so the people back there worshipped a God who had been put to death by his enemies and who had been resurrected. Thousands of years before Jesus, the great truths of the Bible had been counterfeited. In the worship of Baal, the God of thunder. Back there, my friend, they had a counterfeit religious system. Bear that in mind. They had the worship of occult forces. The place was filled with spiritists. They had orders of priests. They had become. The most religious people in the world. But as you know, who've come to my meetings, I believe that most religion religion is a humbug, anyhow. Most religion is bad. Most religion is bad, and most religion that you see on television is bad. As one theologian said to me this morning, and he said the truth. Most religious television in this part of the world is geared to a person with a mentality of a 10 year old child who is retarded. And people who watch it don't read the Bible. They don't study the Bible. And if you get a group of them together you, you can easily find that out. You say to them open your Bibles and they don't know what where it is but they're religious people and back here in the days of Ahab and Elijah everybody was religious but as the old black spiritual says not everybody talking about going to heaven am going there just you remember that my beloved American and Australian friends look at First Kings 18 verse 4 saved by the bell 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 4. You finding this interesting? Yes, amen. Mm -hmm. I know that you always find it interesting, Dan, but you're not a safe guide because you find it all interesting. But Dan is one of the finest Christians you'll meet anywhere. And his wife, too. Now, okay, verse 4. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets, hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with... Food and water. And so there was a lot of persecution going on. 1 Kings chapter 18 now verse 16 to 18. This is a great passage. 1 Kings 18, 16 and onwards. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah he said to him. Is that you you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel. Elijah replied but you and your father's family have you have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. So I say once again you're talking here about God's church in Israel the people had given up the commandments of God they'd given up the word of God they'd given up reading the scriptures. And they were following forces of the occult. And they had plenty of religion. They had plenty of priests. And they had plenty of ministers. And their system was a system that had come out of the belly of the beast or the antichrist. And Elijah was God's voice. In an age of unparalleled apostasy. He was God's voice to restore the worship of the one, the true, and the living God. His work was to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist was God's Elijah. I love that man. He is described in holy writ as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Today God has got a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Come to Matthew three verses 1 to 12, and read about the first fulfillment of the prophecy, the coming of the prophet John. Oh, I love this man. Matthew chapter three verses one to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea. Just stop it there. when God sends a man. God sends him preaching. Now I believe in counseling. I believe in all of those things. But the work of a prophet is to preach the word of God. Amen. The work of a prophet is not to carry favor with the congregation or the conference or anybody else. His work is to please God and to preach the word of God. Amen. You see. And God's man comes preaching like Martin Luther and John Wesley doesn't say could you imagine in those days came John the Baptist counseling <laughs> God have mercy now I'm all for counseling but I'm first and foremost for preaching because a lot of counseling it seems to me doesn't seem to do much good sorry about that mm. I've had lots of counseling and the only thing that's helped me is the preaching of the word. In those days, and I've counseled some of you too. And 45 minutes with the preaching does more than 45 years with the counseling. At least from me it does. In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea. And saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. Who does he, what does that sound like? Elijah. That's Elijah. He dressed like Elijah. He preached like Elijah. He was God's Elijah, God's man. His food was locusts and wild honey. He went further than the pretty diet. we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That's preaching. Yes. Amen. That's preaching. Amen. There's very little preaching left in America, left in the world. Very little preaching. Many congregations today will only call a preacher if he's charming and smooth and pats them on the head and says, Aren't you sweet, dearie? Well, then our preachers probably those preachers and their congregations are going to go to the hot house one day. Just remember that. You want a preacher who's going to get you to heaven, Amen. not get you to hell with him. Isn't, isn't it going to be an awful thing when people with their preachers wake up and they find they're in the wrong place because the temperature is so high? Yes. Hmm. You want a preacher who tells you the word of God. Amen. And the Bible says, he will come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. You read that a moment ago. And because he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah and did the work of Elijah, My friend, he fulfilled the Elijah prophecy. Now I want to say to some of you sitting here, some of you old saints have been sitting here in this church and other churches for years and you know better spiritually, morally than you were 20 years ago because you've got into that accursed habit of playing to church, playing the game which is called church. Some people are only comfortable, my friend, when they're Playing this game which is called church. But the word of God means nothing to them. I want to tell you my friend. Unless you receive the word of God into your heart. It's not going to do you any good. It's going to do you damnation. Because after you've heard the word of God preached. You're either going to be better or else you're going to be worse. And I appeal to you today to let the word of the living God get inside your souls. I appeal to you to do that my friend. Now the Bible says, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's our day. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I love that expression. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I tell you, similar conditions that prevailed in the time of Elijah and John prevail today. I wonder if you got that. Pretty much the same things that are happening back there are happening today. Baal worship survives today in the form of the New Age movement. The biggest religious movement in the world today is the New Age movement that is based on the devil's lie that there is no death. The New Age is simply pagan to the core, I challenge the followers of the New Age movement to test their beliefs by the Bible, if they have one. Baal worship survives today in the form of the New Age movement with its gurus and mystics and ascended masters, its emphasis upon the forces of nature. Baal lives in the vast world of the occult in the practice of consulting the dead. In the séance chamber, in the cult of Halloween. In the cult of Halloween. In the cult of Halloween. And the day of the dead, as practiced in Mexico at the same time, in bizarre religious experiences where the demons rule and people roll on the ground and break out into strange laughter. Baal lives in the scientific establishments of the universities where the one creator God has been replaced by the blind forces of nature, acting totally by chance, And so today the evolutionist turns to nature, inanimate nature, and says, These be thy gods, O Israel. That, my friend, in the scientific establishment, is the worship of Baal. Where is Elijah? As in the days of Elijah, a great counterfeit religious system dominates the world millions blinded by prejudice who do not study the word of God give their allegiance to the great counterfeit religious system. Let me give you in Christian courtesy and love some examples. Tradition takes the place of the Bible where the voice of the church is more important than the voice of God. Righteousness by works The greatest of all heresies takes the place of righteousness by faith in Christ and Christ alone. I say it not to offend my beloved Sunday-keeping friends, but there's no evidence for Sunday in Scripture. No evidence, no evidence, no evidence. The Bible teaches the holy seventh-day Sabbath, but the holy Sabbath has been replaced by the pagan Sunday. The Bible teaches the Lord's Supper for millions. It has been replaced by the mass that is celebrated by millions and millions of earnest and wonderful Christians. But nevertheless, it is no part in Holy Scripture. The doctrine of the resurrection of the dead has been replaced by the devil's lie, the immortality of the soul, which paves the way for spiritism, Halloween, and every other abomination. The intercession of the saints for millions takes the place of the intercession of Christ and Christ and him alone. And if you find these words hard, I say to you, remember, he who is blinded by prejudice will surely suffer a fall. And our final authority is not the voice of any man, but the voice of the living God. I say today, where is Elijah? Elijah, my friend, has returned in the preaching of a great message. It is the message of the three angels of Revelation 14, which is going to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. It is a message that teaches this great truth. Worship him that made heaven and earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters. It is the great message that commences by saying, I saw another angel find in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, the one gospel of a Christ who dies for our sins on the cross. It is the message that says, Come out of her, my people. It is the message that warns against Baal worship if any man worship the beast. It is the message that says, Here are they who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And they knew him not. The vast majority of people, blinded by prejudice, whose minds are shriveled up because they watch soaps on television, whose minds are clouded by superstition and fables and who have given up the capacity of earnest reasoning have become the worshippers of Baal and the message of Elijah is here today to say to you and to every person in this church make ready for the coming of Christ prepare to meet your God, O Israel. And one occasion Elijah came and stood before the people and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow him. And if Baal, then follow him. That, my friend, is the return of the prophet Elijah. Amen Amen. and amen. amen. Our Father... What a great message. Right out of the bosom of the almighty God. We believe that we're living in the last days and the fire is going to fall. We believe there are many false prophets. We believe that Baal worship is everywhere manifested. One part of the Baal worship is just down the road from this church in Hollywood. where most of the people are into the new age. The spiritism who, don't, who do, not, do not believe in the commandments of God. We know it's everywhere. We thank you today that you've sent a message that has come from the heart of God, because the return of Elijah is not the return of a person, per se, but the return of the message and the mission of Elijah in the spirit and the power of Elijah, which is the spirit of the living God. And that is a message that calls us out of evil and lying and cheating and breaking the commandments of God and that calls us out of creature worship and calls us to the creator. It is a message that says, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. It is the message that has as its goal to prepare a people to stand in the great day of the Lord to make ready a people prepared. Our Father, We want to be known as the people prepared to meet their God. Our Father, as we're praying here today, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed in the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, how many will say today, I choose Christ. I choose the Creator God. I choose the commandments of God. Lift up your hands if you can say that. And lift them up high. God is sending you a message today, my friend. Who will lift up their hand today and say, I turn my back on the world and lying and cheating. I turn my back on idolatry. I choose Christ and the word of God. Lift up your hand high and let God know. Amen. And I want to say to every person here today, if there's anybody who hasn't got his hand up, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow him. But a Baal... And follow him. But don't sit on the fence. Make your decision today to follow Christ and his word. Keep your hands up. Dear Father we raise our hands in loyalty to the God of heaven. We bless you today. We worship you today. We give you our hearts. We decide to serve you today. Wash us in the blood that flowed from the cross. Make us clean today. And fill us with your spirit. And soon, dear Father, sweep us home into the kingdom of God. We bless you, we thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. And together, let us say, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise Praise the the Lord. Lord!